Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition Remix. I am your host, Hugh Crawford. You can find me at HughBot underscore Crawford on Instagram. And today we are going to be revisiting the Rules of Acquisition episode where we cover whispers. Uh, we originally dropped this episode on September 26, 2016. So that's a little bit of context for you, what you're going to be hearing. Stick around after the episode for a little additional information that you might find interesting. All right, thanks. On with the show. Sure, smart organizations allow rogue amnesiac elements to wander free. They allow them into their bedrooms, alone with their children. Oh yeah, they don't lock them up for safety and observation. Are you kidding me? Oh yeah, it's time for now. This was a good idea, a perfectly logical idea. And hello and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we go through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best thing that we we talk about every week and we enjoy doing, and yep, it's great. <laughs> I, I keep trying to think of new things to say for that, and it's like, well, you know what, I'm just, it's just me rambling every time, so I don't know what to do with it, but... I think people like the rambling. I like the rambling. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, hey... I can ramble. Yeah. <laughs> With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hello, gentlemen. And Hugh Crawford. Hey, guys. My name is Wade Bowen. And tonight we're talking about an episode of, Mag- of O'Brien's Deep Space Nine <laughs> called Whispers. Yes, this is, uh, this is episode 14 of season two. The IMDb description is as follows. Chief O'Brien's world is upside down when for no reason whatsoever he is being ignored by his family and friends and is being closed out of every essential job on the station. Um, this one aired on February 6, 1994. All right. What do you guys think of Whispers? Uh, Wait a minute. I liked it. It. I liked, <laughs> I, I, it's the M. Night Shyamalan of episodes. I liked it up until the end, and then I got really angry. Really? I thought I it was confused. A- I got confused. <laughs> what? I'm not sure I liked it. There's a lot of close-ups of O'Brien's furrowed brow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're, they're getting cinematic with this opening shot. Just like him. And then we back up to a... I think I like this episode the least. It's Well, it's... It's like them doing the, the noir thing again. They're trying to pull off. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. doing a, a specific futuristic noir that I'll save for the end to reveal. Well, I mean, <laughs> but, we could power through it just so we can just pick it apart. I think we can. I mean, yeah. it's pretty much a one trick pony. Yeah, right? because well, well, I thought when, when going through, I was like, wait a minute, isn't there a Rick and Morty episode with this exact same premise? Oh, I haven't seen the second season. Is there one in the second season? Well, it's not exactly the same premise, but there's a Rick and Morty with David Cross, I believe, oh. where they show up and they're be- they're living in a simulation where all these aliens are trying to get information out of them. Oh, that sounds familiar. And they're like, the aliens are like, oh, well, why don't you just show me the recipe for this um, condensed proto matter fuel system or whatever? Whatever the MacGuffin is that Morty uh, that Rick knows how to make, uh-huh. and it's like it felt like the same thing. Like they're like, "Oh, well, Brian, well, why don't you know? Tell us what you know about the Parodins. 
Yeah, I, I. But it's not. It was a. It was a different Shyamalan twist. Sh- yes. At the end. I don't know why I can't ever say his name. So why do you hate the episode here? Because I, I think it seems like you hated it as it was unfolding. Yeah, it seemed to me. Um. Well, it seemed to me like I'm like, why are we? following we don't even get good answers at the end the whole question throughout this whole episode is like what's going on yeah is o'brien crazy or is something really going on and And it really sets up like a pretty good parallax view sort of thing where it's like like the warren Beatty movie parallax view i don't know if you've seen it. it's a 70s movie where it's like everything is is everything this overarching conspiracy and it's filmed well like that you know like little scenes where o'brien will walk in and see cisco talking to his wife but they kind of lie about what they're talking about and I, I, you know it does a good job of that which is what the stuff you i like you know liked. that it's not all in his head because they did do a good job of showing like reaction shots when about 5 minutes into this episode of seeing i don't know probably the 10th close up of uh, o'brien's face i began to wonder why is that we have why is it necessary to follow this character almost solely for the next 45 minutes um we have oh a, oh, oh wait you hate you hate o'brien well, though that's right not, i forgot let's not i don't necessarily hate him i just feel like this is maybe it's their most reliable character and their uh-huh. most reliable actor <laughs> mm-hmm. to do this sort of yeoman's work and carry a whole cuz he is charismatic in his own way Right, like watchable. Oh, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I love Grumpy O'Brien's like my favorite. Uh, yeah. Right, like when I would hate this episode if this was. I mean, I, 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 I know I've come to terms with her, but if this was a Kira episode, I would have hated this episode probably the whole well, time. Well, see, Dax doesn't even have a single line in this. Nope, episode. she doesn't. Well, she has one. She plays on an audio recording at some point, but yeah, she's not. Oh, she well. doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Like when he he has a new assistant that's not like a hot Bajoran anymore. It's just like a Starfleet guy named <laughs> De Curtis. Who's being as kind of a, a dick, and, he, and he's like, "Oh well, Cisco told me to go do this," and he's like, "You can check with him," and he, and just O'Brien be like, "Oh, oh, I'll check with him." Right. Just like Grumpy O'Brien was the best to me. Huh? Uh-huh. Uh, no. Poor Keiko <laughs> skeeved out, and turns out she's got good reason to be. <laughs> yes. Oh right. Like watching it a second time and realizing that, like, yes. that's my whole issue. Is like the ending makes it's such a dumb mic drop that like when you watch go back and watch it you're just like why are they doing this it makes no fucking sense the first time the first the first time through i was like oh they're doing some cloak and dagger spy shit she's clearly an imposter Mm -hmm. and i all i could think was like if this were the americans she'd fuck his brains out (laughs) (laughs) no but that conversation in front of the school with keiko and cisco it's just cisco saying be cool be cool be cool be cool be cool (laughs) just one more day what if he touches me what if he what if he won (laughs) (laughs) yeah what if he insists like no he's got enough of your husband in him oh spoilers kind of but you've watched this episode probably already okay we're just do we just want to open the kimono here we need to we have to yeah okay so all right yeah i think i I think i said everything i wanted to say about like but you know just like at the one point where he's like i'm gonna go fuck my wife yeah (laughs) (laughs) and she's like i'm so tired and i'm sleeping with that dog i like it it was all yeah i I sent her daughter away because you're creeping me out like (laughs) well okay so uh, surprise (laughs) the o'brien that we've been following for 45 minutes is a cylon um, yes. He's a replicant. Yes. It's Blade Runner. This is a right. Blade this Runner a Blade episode. R- That's what I like right. about this it. This is a Blade Runner episode. And like Ronald D. Moore must have been taking some heavy notes. <laughs> yeah, right. Through this, right? Exactly. He's like, I'm going I'm yeah. to be using some of this shit later on. You better believe that. <laughs> 
So before, apparently, okay. So yeah, before, this is before Ronald D. Moore came on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. This had, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is Michael but Pitt. no, this, he's he's taking some definite notes. Was, he's like, oh, I like what they did before. I go. This is all Michael Pillar. Uh, oh, it was okay. his story, and they commissioned uh, another writer to write it who wasn't in the story room. And then they changed. Then Iris Stephen Bear changed stuff later and didn't take a credit for it. So okay, so the whole t- whole episode, I guess they sent O'Brien off to do some sort of like security parameters for a peace talk between two indigenous people, right? Right. The Paradins. I think it's just one indi- one planet, and then rebels. Right. Okay. Because they, yeah. But that makes and sense. Then for, Let's go have uh, yeah, the guy who, cl- cl- you know, unclogs the toilets go talk about security measures. <laughs> well, he knows he knows systems. Uh, I know, I know. It's just a bit of a stretch. It's the same thing when they sent him in that last episode with they sent Bashir, and he's like, yeah, they yeah. couldn't do that. They couldn't do it with Odo because it wouldn't make any fucking sense. Oh right, yeah, yeah. They can't make a replicant of Odo because of the shapeshifter. Th- Yes. Actually, that, and that's the part of this of this episode where you knew everything was something was wrong with O'Brien and not the crew because you can't get you can't infect Odo. Odo. They've already established that. So yeah, you can't get to Odo. So whenever Odo turns on the O'Brien in the episode, that's when you know that the crew that you're, you're watching is the probably the legit crew. Not like a dramatis personae type stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe it's the Rick and Morty in me, or not in me, but that I remembered that, you know, only came like 30 years later. I but. think we all got a little Rick and Morty in us. <laughs> right. I figured it wasn't that everybody's an imposter, but that he's living in a simulation or something. That, that, came, that occurred I, to me too. But if that was the case, then Keiko would have fucked him. That's well. That's why I was like, "This were the Americans, she would have totally fucked him." <laughs> well, uh, see now, I knew I thought we weren't in a some a simulation because after we have three scenes with O'Brien and his his crewmates, and then after every scene, they linger on the crewmate that he just talked to after O'Brien leaves, and so it's a little bit of storytelling, like they linger on yeah uh cisco and then they linger on Bashir. Right. yeah they're given an ominous look right so and it's it's uh you know you're made to feel like it could go either way yeah. but you at least you know it wasn't in his head yeah. Yeah, yeah so i mean why if it was a simulation why are you watching why are you watching it was like a truman show simulation yeah. though, well you know, like, yeah they, okay that's true but i was thinking if it was like a westworld simulation then you would just see like the robots power down or something right <laughs> yes <laughs> right yeah okay so. yeah he was he was he was in the truman show then that's what i thought but he wasn't yeah so let's unpack the dumb shit here okay so he gets back and before he gets back they get word that he possibly was kidnapped and turned into a replicant possible that's exactly right so that they don't know for certain Uh, which is the whole which is their saving grace here that that's the that's the lie they hide behind and so then they let him roam about have interactions with his wife and his kids. And small child. <laughs> All of this time, trying to get him a physical. They do the whole thing with take a take a physical. He's good and thorough. <laughs> and like so, they do that. He's, they, he's a good man and, and thorough. And thorough. <laughs> they force him to take a physical. They try to detect uh, Cylon goo, and they don't. And then, but all of this stuff. So it kind of makes sense, except why the. F- just put him in a fucking jail cell. Like, <laughs> tell him that tips off the that tips off the rebels, and then you can't foil their plans as easily. But you have to make that clear. But it doesn't put the space station in jeopardy. Like, 
That's why they were they're yeah. followed and they well and then it ruins the episode. Well they were like he was he was supposed to assassinate somebody, we think. Hell if we know. He could have killed a child. He could have raped Keiko. There's any number of things. He's a replicant. You don't know what he's going to do. He's also a chaos agent. So you have to like button that shit down. Well if like, well, they know that they they know. They, were they unsure that it might be it might actually be the real O'Brien? Then was you, a part of the problem. But you though, tell right? him that you say O'Brien, we're super sorry about this, but we don't want to be wrong, and we that don't. might be what sets him off. He might explode or something. That's you know. Or you the, wait. If he's a real O'Brien, then he might have a psychotic break. Spoiler alert! That's what should have happened in this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But um, well, th- well, th- but you say my, my my defense of it is. They keep counting down to when the Paradins arrive. And I feel like once the Paradins arrive, they would have been like, all right, we got to lock him down, get him away from them because we don't know what he's going to do. Yeah. and But nope. now that I say that, he's got all the skills of the security chief. Exactly. He could totally rig shit the fuck up once they get there, even if he's in a brig. So never mind. You're right. So he MacGyver's his way out. So he's dangerous. Yeah. And O'Brien is dangerous. The only thing that keeps him there is that he's not a Manchurian candidate. So, you know, he's a good guy. But if you. Yeah, they, they did. They made him too well because. Yeah. Because he had the yeah. moral systems of. And I, you know, the whole time it was an interesting ride. And I know that this is the way, like, I doubt. No, that's not true. I was going to say I doubt that Michael Piller was thinking about the posterity viewing of this but star trek is all viewed on, is viewed on like posterity viewing and yeah, watching it that's their bread and butter that's how they make that yeah, yeah. rewards multiple views that's how folks know about the mirror universe yeah. you know and stuff like that mm-hmm. i mean there you have to be thinking about that when you make a trek yeah yeah so like the fact that it absolutely makes no sense the second time you watch it is yeah it's really it made sense to me i think <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I just, they let a threat but, I mean, metastasize. Hey, you tell, tell me I'm full of shit. I'm, I'm open for Well, this. they just let them, they let a threat metastasize on their ship. Mostly uncontrolled. But they don't, I guess they, they don't, they didn't know it was a threat though. I mean, it could have been the real O'Brien. What they didn't do, they didn't do a good of job of ex- explaining their dilemma. Okay. That's the problem, but here, James. I think but, that's why you're frustrated is because at the end they found out it was a threat. Yeah. But no, no, they knew it the, the whole time. They've known no, that it was a potential. They, no, they didn't no, know it the whole no, time. No, they, they got a tip. But view it as quarantine. They, they found out it was a threat when they found the real O'Brien. Right. That's but why, why don't they, they view it as like a quarantine, just the way you would a quarantine. Say, I know, I don't know if you got smallpox, but until we're running tests and until you we can get it confirmed one way or the other, you gotta stay in the you gotta stay in the bubble. I don't know why they couldn't have just done that with him. Well, Again, again, that might set off the bomb. Yeah, you know, you got to treat it as yeah. normal until you know, and that's why they're so insistent on getting the physical because they think the physical will give them the information they want. Right, and when it doesn't, they're just like, "Well, I don't know what to do." Yeah, and yeah, and, and then it's a little wobbly. Yeah, then what? Then they they should still have a plan even if they don't know what to do. Agreed. And then there's a few little weird discrepancies, just red herrings that I guess like when. O'Brien and and Bashir are talking about. Oh wait a minute! Uh, you know my father died two years ago last spring. What are you talking talking about? And how I was so upset when my dad remarried or whatever, uh-huh. or yeah, yeah, or when my mom remarried. And then they throw in clearly that like they're trying to make you think. Oh, O'Brien doesn't know that because he's an imposter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At first, but, it seems like they don't know him, but I mean that—that's some good writing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Where you, you go back and rewatch it, and that you realize that they're trying to test his knowledge of his own past. That fits uh, a yeah. little bit better, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where you know, like they'll go, "Well, why don't you tell your mom?" And he's like, "You know, my mom is dead." But that 
you know, they're starting to see how well the replicant works. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys, um, one of the things that I thought about, this is actually pretty, to, to make a replicant that could pass a physical in the Star Trek universe is probably not all that hard because every civilization- <laughs> You has, just put them in there. Yes, you know you where just, I'm going with this. Yeah, every, I know. Every, every civilization pretty much has a, a transporter technology where they have a copy of your DNA, a copy of everything. Yeah. They could just make another copy a la Riker and his weird- Brother. Younger copy, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, none of, I mean, that's, uh, China Mieville talks about this concept a lot in the book Kraken, uh, oh. no spoilers, but yeah, basically everyone in Star Trek has died a million times because <laughs> they don't, they, they take you all your atoms into the pattern buffer, basically vaporize them and then put new ones in the same order somewhere else. So you've been destroyed and recreated every time you get on the transporter, which makes sense why they are so apprehensive of it, like in Enterprise, which is a show I haven't really watched more than an episode of. But right. I understand that they do, they're they wary about the transporter. Yeah, it's a problem for like two episodes when they talk about like how icky it is to go through it and then it works fine. No one ever answers it again. Right. Like when you think about that's a squandered opportunity with Enterprise. That's a whole other yes. podcast oh. series. <laughs> The problem with Enterprise. <laughs> that's, that's your title right there. That no one will take up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like, I get that it's easy to make, but I don't, like, it seems like, first off, this would be a bigger problem, and second off, like, I don't know, I just... Well, we're talking about how easy it is to make a replicant in this universe. I'm surprised, my point is that I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, this kind of shenanigans, mm-hmm. space shenanigans. Right. Well, if that guy in season one, episode two or three, can just make a clone of himself willy-nilly. Oh, yeah. Well, then he immediately kills it. Yeah, he actually seems like he went, he looks like he went the hard way around about it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Because it took forever to grow it in a vat when he could have just transported a copy of himself. Right. And we don't even know if the ones that you grow in a vat have the memories or not, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I, mean, I assume they don't. And I assume that then... You have to like, well, no, because the guy was walking around acting like it. Oh, God, that's so far. Yeah, well, that's just a messy. We, we don't need to rehash that. Yeah. Well. Also, also, let's just, I don't like, I mean, this has never occurred to me. This is a big think Star Trek problem that I'm sure has been addressed somewhere. How do you have memories from the transporter? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I didn't know if we were going to get into that. Like, wouldn't you just turn on like a fresh computer? Like, there would be no input. Well. Like, every time you tra- transport it down to the Earth. We don't know enough about where memory and stuff how it works because the neurons maybe it puts the neurons that or whatever holds memory in exact the same configuration so that would keep your I don't think we understand and they definitely didn't understand enough about the human brain when they invented the transporter to, to make <laughs> yeah, sense of that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Gene Roddenberry needed a cheap way to get people from point A to point B or else it wouldn't even exist. Right. I mean, we still don't even really know how memory works, except that we have an idea about what parts of the brain it might exist in, but not what the carrier for it is. And it's still some sort of electrical current code. So that could just be Yeah, yeah. 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 I guess that's true. Also, has it ever been because it, it was my expression that they shoot the same atoms. This is so nerdy. Shoot the same atoms into a 
beam and then basically like disintegrate you, take those atoms and then 3D print you with the atoms, shoot all of the atoms down to the planet and then 3D print the atoms. Oh, and that's what's in the pattern buffer in the interim? Yeah, it's the same. So you're technically made, it's like taking a car apart oh, okay. and then shooting all the, all the parts and then putting it back together with the same parts. Right. And that's how that's how Scotty got st- stuck in the pattern buffer for 80 years. Oh, that happened? Oh my god, I totally forgot. Yes, because he's in a Next Generation episode. Yeah. And he doesn't yeah, look a happens. thousand years. That's exactly, yes. that's exactly what happened. Oh. And he, he rigged... I, I, I seem to recall that he knew that he wasn't going to survive something, so he rigged himself to stay in the pattern buffer, and he rigged like a power source to the pa- pattern buffer, so it, the power you know would continually run and so when the enterprise found him they found this pattern this transporter thing like the only thing that was on and then of course right i forgot how that that was like a season episode one opener in one of them or or an ending i don't i don't remember i, don't remember. I think that's like when that was sweeps week i'm sure yeah 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 but it was after it was after they could get james Doohan. yeah yeah like it's after yeah. they could so they had been it was not the first two seasons it, no it was a later it was after they were successful and then james Doohan wanted wanted a piece of that action oh, right okay. right well they got deforest kelly in this first episode right yeah and i think they felt like he was slumming it i think they all judged him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think they were just just happy to get him yeah he owned gene a solid i'm <laughs> sure and had to like yeah 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 yeah. But oh yeah, but even if you are if all your dematerial separated atoms are sitting in the pattern buffer, you know what happens before that? You fucking die. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get that. <laughs> like they rip all your atoms apart, you're dead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're definitely dying. But I didn't know if there is some sort of solace in that you're still made out of the same atoms. I guess so. I mean, it's our it's our 21st century kind of hangups that are our problem with it. <laughs> we just need to loosen right. up. By the 24th century, <laughs> they're probably yeah. People die all the time. We just bring them back. Death doesn't mean anything anymore. We got amazing fucking science, guys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So where where are we on this episode? Oh, uh, yeah. Do you guys want to get into what you would change? Well, I, I also want to point that just plot points that the replicant Cylon O'Brien is just as good as him. So he figures out all these logs and then he's kind of like, I bet they're really turned on by my sexy letters to my wife. Those creeps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. We could have gone without that, right? <laughs> yeah. This is not my Keiko, the one that I write to all that, that porn. Did, did, does he write to her or is it sexy voice ma- messages? I assume it's sexy voice messages. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, I don't know how far we need to get into that. <laughs> no. One thing I wanted to point out is that in reading about this, this is Michael Piller's favorite episode of Deep Space Nine. Really? Yes. I liked it. It's, hey, you know what? What do you got to say, Hugh? What do you got to say about that? <laughs> hey, I'm like more power to Michael Piller if this is his... I guess favorite. it's such a big twist that you either are going to like the twist at the end or it's just going to piss you off. That's true. I kind of liked like, wow, that took some balls to follow a character that wasn't even the character we know this whole episode. Yeah, that's that is true. A couple things on that is that uh, they asked Colmini, what did he do to prepare for basically a different role? And he's like, I didn't do anything differently. Yeah, well, it makes sense. I just showed up, yeah. you know, which is totally the right, which is totally the right actor thing to do. And that's the thing I was thinking is like, I bet uh, that would have been hard to get through to uh, Alexander Sadig. <laughs> no, because it's the same. He's like, I should be doing new stuff to show, to give hints. They're like, no, no, just just be sure. Yeah, he's yeah, like, hey, I'm an Irish guy. I didn't go to fucking land. 
Lambda in <laughs> <Yeah>. London. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, I'm just going to do the same goddamn job. I'm just going to show up and do the same job. And, and it worked. Yeah. There. W- yeah. Before before we get to what we changed, I got one more thing. Yeah, I did too. Ahead. Well, I was going to say that, I, that everyone in the writer's department was really worried that this didn't have a B story. Oh. Oh, yeah. And they thought it was like really bold. They thought it was bold and that it would ultimately fail. And I think they felt that way up until it aired. To which I was thinking like, this is the first time that the show felt like it wasn't like old timey script television. Right. So at least that was probably why I liked it is it was laser focused. Yeah. Uh, just like the really good episodes should be, you know, like duet and other stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I'll give it that. We didn't have yeah. some silly. Yeah. We have some silly. Uh, <laughs> Self-sealing. You know, nog, play, uh, nog right. and Jake. Yeah. So it was like, uh, and also they couldn't do it. They tried to write a B story because they're trying to follow a formula, but they couldn't because any other B story, would be like oh my god what the fuck's up with o'brien i don't know is he gonna blow up the ship (laughs) that's what every conversation would be outside of the a story so they couldn't do it (laughs) you could have a really horrible b story about jake cisco's grades yeah (laughs) because i guess he was the only one that didn't he wasn't totally in on it yeah they didn't let him in or he's the only one that o'brien didn't suspect yeah well they let him in on it and then yeah, until the end, and then they did. When he was like, Dude. "Oh no, 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 no!" Because Commander Cisco called and canceled that. No, Commander Cisco told Jake, "You're not going over to the O'Brien." Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Side, yeah, you know, yeah, you're not going. But he didn't know when he let that out that his why uh, where Cisco was like, "Jake's grades are shitty," and that's why I was you know hitting on your wife in the hole. <laughs> and then and then, right. like, and then Jake was like, "No, I got straight A's. It's great." So they didn't work out their lie with yeah, Jake. Yeah, and, and right. O'Brien's like, "What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. He's fucking my wife." <laughs> <laughs> so that was a problem for them, and I just like. That, I, I mean, I'm glad that ultimately that's a problem they get over with, that needing a B story. Yeah. Oh, my, my, oh, I think my favorite uh, O'Brien moment was at the point where uh, Jake is at the end in the hallway. And he's like, Jake's like, just, just, they're not going to hurt you. Just, just surrender, okay? <laughs> I like and that. And runs off. I, th- I thought that was a good I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, that was good. But there, there was a moment with O'Brien where, where he's like, shit, am I going to have to shoot a kid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a good kid, but I will fucking kill you. Damn it, I don't, I don't want to shoot a kid, man. <laughs> right. Um, they could have found a way to have Jed Zia have a scene with him. Easily. Yeah, it's a little rough. Yeah. Easily. That, that was, that was one of the things that really irks me. Why do you even have these characters? If you're not going to, if you're not committed to use them in some capacity, <laughs> is she in danger of getting fired again? I don't, maybe I don't know. I it's man, they must have not liked her a lot, dude. Well, I don't know, and I don't know. Behind the scenes, everything that I've read is that they they didn't. I don't think they liked her at all. And then she got fired for she left for Becker, and then she got fired from Becker. Maybe she was just really difficult. I could see. And I haven't I haven't read anything to that. I'm just reading between the lines or speculating between the lines. But yeah, I need to read. I need to read up on that Becker history. But that's a different. <laughs> that's for the Becker podcast. Yeah. For our Becker podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the Panoply Network. Yeah. The Becker. <laughs> Is Becker? So <laughs> they needed to squeeze her. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. Because I mean, even even Kira had just the one scene, right? Yeah. She and she was on the calm. Yeah, I guess she so. was the one scene at the end. Yeah, I don't. You know, I think as far as the storytelling, I think this was it was laser focused. Mm-hmm. It's just not the kind of Trek that I like to see. I felt like, and it's not a, my favorite character. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of what I have problems with this this episode is just me 
in my own personal hangups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We know you hate O'Brien. It's it's fine. Well, I don't. It's uh, <laughs> it's a sticky wicket. My feelings for O'Brien. I get conflicted. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Oh, and we almost, or do we? We get another rule of acquisition. We do. Or, sort of one of the high ones. We do. Yeah. It's also one of those kind of red herrings they throw in there. Like, oh, this must not be the real quirk because we all know the real quirk knows every single rule of acquisition. This feels like an imposter a quirk that only mm-hmm. offhandedly knows but turns out it's just because he's uncomfortable dealing with it's kind of impressive that it never got back to o'brien and even in those logs that he unlocks that nobody's like this o'brien's a piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> or this o'brien is not right right like he finds and decrypts all these confidential f- top secret files or that locked files and not one of them has anything to say about him there must be something Oh, that's where you bring Dax in because every now it's 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 a very minute thing, but whenever they talk something that must have been buried very deep in the system of the computer, it's always Dax that delivers the line about it. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> so something must have gotten past O'Brien because for the first time ever, we keep saying that the only times in the in the past that everything anything's ever even been talked about getting past O'Brien was when it was faked. In that um, oh in that Bashir O'Brien episode where they fake his death, oh yeah, and they're like, no, oh, no, no, oh, it must have been buried deep in the system. Dax says, but it wasn't. <laughs> they faked it. And if if this is the same O'Brien like in every last way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess it was last episode. Yeah, it's a it, yeah, it's a little weird that he didn't find something about saying this O'Brien's a replicant. <laughs> yeah, we're totally skeezed out by this, by <laughs> yeah. this O'Brien. Yeah. By the way, the rule of acquisition has been given by, I don't know, nerds, uh, the a tentative number of 194. Right. Well, that's what Quirk says, because he, he says something like, oh, well, because he's... He throws in that talking to O'Brien. He's like, "What do you what, what do you know about the Paradins?" And O'Brien's like, "What do you care?" It's like, "Well, it's it's uh you know it's always good to know about your customers before they walk in your door." And he doesn't call it a rule of guy acquisition. O'Brien says, "Like, oh, what is that? One of your rules or some shit?" And, and Quirk is like, "Uh, is kind of off his game a little bit." Uh-huh. And says, "I don't know. I I think it's it's one of the high ones, one ninety four maybe." Yeah. Okay. Okay, because I was trying to figure out. I forgot the, the line of how it was Yeah, given. Yeah, cool, because it's always, it's an offhanded, not like, once you have their money, never give it back, with a little sing-song. It's just like he mm-hmm. he's probably paraphrasing it. Yeah, it's one of the letter, the letter book, like the people who haven't read the Paul, the later Pauline epistles in the New Testament. <laughs> right. The book of James, fuck this God, is, I don't know. This is book. like Timothy that may or may not have been written by the original <laughs> yes. Magus that wrote the rules. Exactly. All right, are we, are we ready to change things? Yeah, I'm always writing for this part. Okay. All right. I guess I'll go for is it. Is anybody yeah. Go? I don't have a whole lot to go talk about this one. I got, I, I got a just, little, I got a little something, but you're, but it's not something you know big. Uh, okay, so there's the overarching thing is I would have changed like how they did it because it just seems irresponsible what they did. But if you're going to do Blade Runner, oh yeah, at, at the end they shoot him, yeah, and they're like. Oh, I, I, good thing it's, they're like, go through that door and everything will make sense. And he's like, fuck that. <laughs> no, seriously, do it. No, fuck that. No, walk through the door. Fuck that. Bam, shoot him. And he's, oh, okay, it's the replicant. And then the real O'Brien walks in and says, what? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's what the end. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
So what were you going to say? Like they don't. Well, well, other than changing just how everything worked in the episode, and it making no sense that they would have just let him walk free and have spent all of this time sort of keeping him trapped, but he's not trapped. Outside of that. If you're going to do a Blade Runner scene, why did you miss the opportunity of having Odo and O'Brien have the replicant reveal, like the questionnaire sequence? Oh, yeah. From Blade Runner? That would have been a really great sequence, where instead of, if you're going to waste O'Brien with this conspiracy theory stuff, or not O'Brien, Odo, have Odo and O'Brien do the something that mirrors the beginning sequence from Blade Runner, which is my favorite scene where they're asking him all these random unattached questions to see if the emotional mechanics hold up. Mm-hmm. And that would have like to had Odo do something that was detective-y, you know, like an interrogation that revealed something or at least attempt to would have been an interesting sort of uh, thing and would have made it look weird and creepy. And, you know, if you're using Blade Runner as a template anyway, which they admit that they are. Yeah. That would have been a really great sequence to put in there and given some really good sort of Odo stuff. Yeah, that's a good Is point. Is it the the cinematic or the director's cut? Because it's got the voiceovers in it, right? <laughs> oh, wait, but don't they both start? I mean, I don't know the difference, but they both start with the sequence where they're asking um, where the brutish Blade Runner is talking to the... Yeah, well, the, to, the theatrical cut had a lot more voiceover and then the director's cut, oh, yeah. which is a, mainly the only one you can find now is... Got much yeah, of the voiceover true. taken out. And a lot of people complain about that. The voiceover is actually pretty great. For a noir film, it actually makes sense, but whatever. It does. But it doesn't end with the, the unicorn, right? It might not. I can't remember all the changes. But, but uh, yeah, no. So, like, I would have just had a sequence of interrogation between Ojo, where Odo, like Bashir, Odo is trying to sort of ascertain what the makeup is of O'Brien and had that come across as as interesting and weird and and suspenseful yeah well you could do a lot of like especially if odo's doing that just his character as a as a guy who can be anything Mm -hmm. trying to figure out if this other person is also something that is not you know like yeah that is pretending to be something when he could pretend to be anything he wants if this is a thing that would be i don't know exactly because I'm not writing a script right now, but that seems like it would be <laughs> good fodder for some great scene work, you know? Fun to write? Yes. So that would have been interesting to see, and it would have, I, I don't know, I would have, it would have taken it to the next level. But overall, I, I just wish that, like, the it made more sense what they did with O'Brien, the replicant. So yeah. that's one of the one thing that I would have worried about. Yeah, and I do, and another, another, I'm just, I have mostly nice things to say about this episode. At the very end... <laughs> Um, when the real O'Brien comes in, there's a little bit of that kind of, I'm not going to call it, it, he's the the homie character that's a little bit racist against Cardassians or whatever. He's, mm-hmm. he's the closest thing that we have to an Archie Bunker in this whole Star Trek pantheon. Yes, yes. <laughs> there's at one point where he comes in and it's like, that thing was pretending to me, to me? And they're like, yeah. It's like, he was talking to my wife or something. It's like, <laughs> that, ro- that robot <laughs> was going to fuck my wife. <laughs> <laughs> did you fuck? I got to go ask you, did you fuck my wife? Did you fuck <laughs> yeah, my he's, wife? <laughs> he's just like, there's just a look that he comes in. He's like, really? That thing was going to fuck my wife? I don't want no dirty robot fucking my wife. <laughs> Keiko screaming, I didn't fuck him, I didn't fuck yeah, him, Miles, I didn't did, fuck did, him. Well, I found no, your letters. He, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but no, he's not. I mean, he's still enough of an evolved human being. He's he's not an asshole. He, he's not going to be, he trusts his wife and he knows. And yeah, but whatever. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> just a little kind of like apprehension. That's it, all Cole Meany's acting. It's like he's 
well, that thing was pretending to be me. <laughs> and most of it, like a Jonathan Frakes or uh, the other Star Trek people have been like, oh, my goodness, that's fascinating. Oh, that's so interesting. Right. He comes in, he's like, yeah. asshole was pretending, that asshole could have fucked my wife. Could have fucked all right, I like that, actually. <laughs> he could have fucked my wife. That was like the moment at the end, yeah. Yeah, they, they do. I think that we're starting to, they're kind of pushing O'Brien into the being a, just a typical Star Trek enlightened super superhero, as opposed to the average, everyday sort of workaday meat. Right. You know, corned beef, corn beef and cabbage kind of guy. Although you did have a feeling when he came home how much of a shit day he had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he may just want to turn on the television and stick his hands in his pants and you know like who just stripped down to right. whitey tighties and just <laughs> sit on the couch instead of staying in his uniform after his wife went to bed and do computer research that was super weird <laughs> yeah. that you get this picture of how how hard his day is and how he relaxes once he's home and then he stays in his filthy uniform yeah he's got all sorts of o'brien flop sweat in it all day underneath all those you know there's probably some the nanotubes that clean you up or something we'll say in the future space age fits all space Age polymers That's right. that keep yeah. you from not like what the actual actors are wearing, which are the sweatiest, grossest <laughs> materials in the world. Oh my god, yeah. They said that that liker was the stinkiest <laughs> stuff by the end of the first season that they had to like. <laughs> Well, that's why they changed uh, costumes in DS9. Yeah, right? that's why yeah, like Costanza had the Yankees change their uniforms, and it was like a hotter, hotter blend. <laughs> you know, that's what it was like <laughs> for the Star Trek actors. Well, I've heard the Star Trek guys like he said when we were in these lycra jumpsuits, and every time we had to take a piss or a shit, <laughs> we had to get naked, <laughs> like basically. That's super weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future. Okay, so what would you change, Hugh? Um, well, we all know that this replicant has O'Brien's super knowledge and skills. Whenever he makes that flash bomb to like get away, like, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that have been cooler if it was like a transporter device that he can like throw something on the ground and get himself transport? Like, he's a badass transporter engineer. He should be an inventor too, right? Well, he already tries. They already threw some tricks where he can't transport, so it might make things weird i know i just think that that would have been a cool that would have been cool yeah the flash bomb was just kind of funny the flash bomb is kind of funny like yeah yeah ninja vanish (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah really (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i thought that was kind of he's like i you know i've got some tricks up my sleeve and he's messing with those little and you're like oh that's a bomb that's not a trick up your sleeve (laughs) Well, that's just a <laughs> that's just a bomb, O'Brien. <laughs> that's that clip. Uh, I thought he was messing with one of those uh like a uh, golf tee trick things at Cracker Barrel table. <laughs> that's what he was. Putting. Oh yes, the golf tee. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> he was skipping over him. Yeah, trying to get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I can, if I can get down to one, I've made a pretty nice flash bomb. <laughs> that's what he meant. Old old Brian's got some tricks up his sleeves. He knows exactly the pattern to put these golf tees in. Yeah. <laughs> now I was gonna say this is the second episode in a row where you almost get MacGyver O'Brien. Yeah. 
but they still kind of pussy out, I think, because of money both times. Where, like, was it last week? Oh my god. <laughs> where they were trying to escape, and he was going to have to put his skills to build radios and shit and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. They ran out of money. They just had to keep everybody in the room, so we didn't get to run around. And in this episode, he MacGyvers things for, like, three minutes. But, I don't know. Like, give me, if you want to give me O'Brien MacGy- MacGyver, right. give no, me O'Brien MacGyver. No half MacGyver. measures when it comes to yeah. that. You know? <laughs> don't, don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't cock tease I, me with O'Brien. Yeah. I guess that gets into the, I guess the one little, I have like one nerd corner nitpicky thing to change. And it's kind of, I guess it is similar to Hugh's thing and, and jurors a little bit. They should have MacGyvered something a little bit better. Like when he's hiding from everybody and he gets in the hallway and he goes like, oh, I'm, I'll am i hide where nobody finds me. In the ducks yeah. where they hide every <laughs> single fucking time they hide on Star Trek. Just hide in the ducks. Oh, get in the Jeffrey's tube. Oh, get in the yeah. ducks. Nobody will ever look for you there <laughs> unless we wanted to hide ourselves which we go through every single damn time. <laughs> That's true. Make him do some MacGyver shit with a piece of gum and some foil right? to where mm-hmm. it looks like he went into a duct. Yeah. I don't know. And then he went somewhere else. Then he sneaks into like a, a loading dock, which has a separate transporter that's not locked down like the rest of them. And that's how he gets in the runabout, maybe. Yeah, there was actually a scene there. I actually know a little behind the scenes stuff. There was a scene there that they built while he was trying to get it and go away and escape that they wrote and they were all really happy with it and they all filmed it and then they sent the original writer a shooting script like the final script and he noticed a continuity error in the language Uh that was wrong and they shot it that way and they didn't want to go reshoot it so they just cut the scene just just have uh, Bashir read redub his audio like in (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was something about the what was the pursuing runabout versus the escape runabout okay that sounds like some nerds like they the Mekong the new Mekong Uh the new runabout the Mekong like they got confused on that how pissed was that admiral when she has to take a call from a replicant (laughs) A non-commissioned <laughs> replicant calls her up, and, and she has to deal with it. I so just go the fuck back, okay? Yeah, I know exactly who you are, yes. you asshole. Yeah. Do you have to, Cisco? If you can keep your robots from calling me. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, again. That was uh, Leonard Nimoy's wife. They called her back to reprise her role from season wow. one. Wow. I'd like to see. Yeah, I'd like to see that character at the end of the day go home and talk to. Or, you know, her partner about whatever shit day she had. And then one of Cisco's freaking replicants got loose and starts blowing up my phone. <laughs> I told him to just put him in a jail cell until we figured it out. Right. But no, oh, he wants to no. let him run about. He's got to have a no. cloak and dagger shit. <laughs> Not on my watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, uh, anything else you guys want to go over or th- can think about? Uh, not about this episode. Uh, what's the what's the IMDb? <laughs> about covers it. What's the IMDb rating? Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. I, I don't know. Are we not? Oh, did you guys already look? I have not. No, I didn't look. It's a nine point six. No, uh, like an eight. Okay, so yeah, out of ten, what do you guys think? Come on. Oh wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna no seven point seven. I'm gonna go with eight. Wow. It is an 8.3. 600. Motherfucker! 632 people, oh, okay. which is like uh, over 100 the average. God, 
That's almost duet level, isn't it? I, yeah. Duet was 8.9, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's as close as we've had a duet. Yeah. People love this episode. It's pretty good. I mean, uh, I liked it. I feel like now I feel like Joanna Robinson in the Game of Thrones podcast where I just shed on it the whole time. But guys, <laughs> if you're going to make a list of your favorite, if you're going to, if you're going to watch like, if you got like a Sunday afternoon and you're just in the mood for Deep Space Nine, is this really one of the four or five episodes you're going to go back and watch? Oh, God, no. No. What about you, Wade? As much as you liked it, I mean, no, probably not. Really? Do you think it's no? No, I'm gonna go back to you know later seasons and then do it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. All right. So that's, that's about it. Yeah. Oh, maybe a necessary evil I could so watch that one again. That's my that's my my thing yeah. is that like I think when you get into eight point three eight point nine territory, that's like reserved for revisiting. I don't really think whispers is mm-hmm. achieves that, but I guess you know some other people do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy that it got that much. I was lowballing because I figured like nobody, you know, nobody agrees. Either I think it. Well, yeah. I just didn't think they would agree with me. Yeah. Even I'll concede that it's a higher form of a mess of an episode. Like, because I mean, I was relatively enthralled. I know that you were, but I was relatively enthralled with it until the end, and then I just then I went to like the it doesn't make any sense to me. But I don't know. I, I mean, it was well made. I can't I can't really quibble with it on those terms. No. Yeah, and that's what I said earlier. I I do give it kudos for not having a, a pesky B story that just kind of gets in the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was laser focused. You got to give them that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And pretty well written, like, and tight. I mean, it was, you know, it was. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I wrote down, too, I felt like the, the pre-credit sequence didn't Usually those are pretty standalone. Uh-huh. It wasn't this time because the story was so tight and just focused on O'Brien the whole time that it was just like, oh, yeah. and then and then he says something and like, oh, what? Oh, we just jumped to the credits. Like feels incongruous because they had to fit him in somewhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It just cuts to it. And I'm like, oh my god, we haven't seen this yet. We're still just in the break. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, it, one of the things that I was reading about is that O'Brien is a uh, Colmini is apparently like a consummate professional like shows up on time says his line shoots his scenes real quick gets it right the first time that kind of thing and they were like they they finished this episode like two days early or something oh because they were relying on him oh that's... so like yeah yeah and so he was just yeah it's he, all they didn't do a lot of you know they didn't have to do a lot of takes they didn't have to do a lot of like blocking that you know like so they just they had filmed they had had their normal shooting schedule but they just blew through it so fast because he was he's I, good I, I think you just answered why Dax was <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is, like, (laughs) I was like, man, I feel bad because so so many of our listeners probably love her. But that's just it. I'm I'm thinking, five minutes into this, and I'm like, this is another O'Brien. I feel like we've had five or six O'Brien episodes. We got another one coming Uh, up next week, buddy. Really? Wow. Tell me about next week. We're in the O'Brien. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. For all I can tell, it's Cisco and O'Brien go down to another one of the Mormon colony planets for some reason. Okay. For shenanigans. A barn raisin? Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. barn raisin. But I think it's Cisco focused and not O'Brien focused, but it's Cisco and O'Brien. All right. All right. I'm on board with that. All right. I think maybe they were like, maybe this was like the efficiency period and they were like, well, let's just pick our most efficient actors, the professionals, and then we'll deal with Alexander Sadig, Paris. Perry Farrell, and we'll deal with all them. Got to call Steve. We'll deal with them later, but we'll do some cost saving here and just do some sort of simple episodes. So I think. Oh that's- yeah, they're like let, mid-season, last season. We got stuck with move along home. Let's <laughs> fuck that move shit. Along home, we'll yeah. just do yeah. character-centered stuff on actors we know can get the shit done 
quick. Fast and on time, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no more of that waddy shit. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, I think we we about uh, put a bow on this one, don't you think? I believe so. 8.3. Damn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of floored by that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, on that note, I guess uh, three to beam out. Beep. Beep. Wow. All right. That was Whispers from 2016. Uh, I really didn't remember much about the recording of this episode. It seems like it's another episode where I don't like... (laughs) The Deep Space Nine episode we're talking about, and the other two guys either like it or are fine with it. I don't know why I'm, I was such a grump, I guess. I sound really grumpy about Deep Space Nine going back and listening to these episodes. Um, anyway, I'm sorry about that. It That might be why I am the least favorite host of this, this show out of the three of us. Um... In this episode, we talk about a Rick and Morty episode, and we talk about a Star Trek Next Generation episode, but we can't remember the name or any information about either episode, so I thought I'd give that to you now. The Rick and Morty episode that we are referencing with David Cross is M. Night Shyamalan Aliens. That originally aired on January 13th, 2014, and the Next Generation episode that we reference with Scotty is Relics. It's a really famous episode. It's episode 4, season 6, and that originally aired on October 12th, 1992. I did some reading and some research about Relics, and it turns out the reason why they had Scotty so late in the series, it's not because it didn't have anything to do with uh, James Doohan and his, like, wanting to see how, you know, Star Trek Next Generation was going to be a hit or not. It had to do with the show Bible from Next Generation uh, explicitly saying that they're not going to reference or do stories about the original characters. So as the years went by and they got their own following and a critical acclaim, they got more comfortable with referencing the past. Sarek showed up and eventually Spock showed up. And so by this time in season six, uh, they were more comfortable uh, having some of the old characters back, and that's why they did Relics, which is a great episode, and I highly recommend that you go back and watch that episode instead of Whispers. <laughs> um, I recently read a Forbes list of the top 10 Star Trek Next Generation episodes, and this made the list, so unsurprisingly. Because people love Scotty and people love nostalgia. So, there you go. Interesting enough, whenever I went back and looked up the information about the Rick and Morty episode and this uh, Next Generation episode, I, you know, as is my habit, looked up the IMDB rating for each episode. And it's interesting because (laughs) Relics, which is considered a top 10 episode by many, I guess, uh, has an IMDb rating of 8.6, 3,000 votes, 8.6 out of 10, which I was like, well, you know, that's that's really high. Uh, the Rick and Morty episode uh, has got an IMDb rating of 8.7 and 12,000 uh, <laughs> uh, votes. So that's... 
huge. That's a lot more votes. So, you know, Rick and Morty, I would argue, probably has a higher cultural impact right now than Star Trek. So, anyway, or at least a more active fan base on IMDb. I don't know. It's hard to tell these things. Anyway, I hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast, and I hope you join us next time on the Rules of Acquisition Remix. If you like uh, our show, be sure to check our Patreon out, Kickers of Elves. Uh, go into your Google machine and type in Patreon, Kickers of Elves, and then you'll find us. We've recently uh, done, uh, I think, we've done a lot of Green Knight talk. So you can become a patron and check that out. In the past, we've also done a mini series on Dune, and that is on our Patreon as well. So anyway, yeah, www dot patreon backslash kickers of elves i don't know just google it you can find it all right thanks again for listening one to be mount did you know that some deep space nine podcasts have more reviews than us doesn't that piss you off please love us love us love us longing rusted 17 daybreak furnace nine benign homecoming one freight car did that work i am sorry i am trying to enter the activation code into some well let's call it software i recently bought we need to field sometimes i hope this worked <laughs>